Hello, and welcome to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Interante, and today I'm very excited. We have a special guest. I allude to her sometimes on the podcast. She's appeared on a number of special episodes. Our co-producer, Catherine Moore, is uh, in the hot seat today. Hello. Catherine, thanks for uh, getting off mute and coming on <laughs> mic. Finally doing an episode. I'm really excited to be here. And I would say part of the production team of the show and also just like a major fan of music, fanatic of pop music and everything else. I'm excited to dig in. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, like with everyone, let's start at the beginning. I know you have a background of playing instruments. Um, when did you first get into music? My family is very musical. My dad was a music educator for many, many years and directed high school chorus and his parents directed orchestras and bands and choirs. So wow. very, very musical, the more side of the family. <laughs> and so uh, when I was growing up, I was always in church choir. And then um, when I was five, I started taking piano lessons and then I started playing the violin and uh, that was kind of my primary instrument through college, main quartets and orchestras and pit orchestras for musicals. And I loved that part of it too. But since I graduated from college, I've been more on the fan side of it and consuming music and learning what my taste is in music. And it's been a great kind of experience to experience it more through the audience perspective than the performer. Yeah. You don't miss picking up the violin. From time to time I do. And like, sometimes I just wonder if how much it's like riding a bike and I could just retain and play, you know, the Bach double violin concerto or whatever, like with somebody else and um, (laughs) probably not well, but it's, I do miss it from time to time, but not enough to really do anything about it so yeah 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 well so as a listener do you have you know you were talking a lot about like singing in church and and playing with your family and that kind of stuff but do you have memories of like in terms of pop music, the first stuff that you really gravitated towards? Well, when I was growing up, I remember my uh, older brother gave me my first boy band CD. He was a Backstreet Boys uh, person. And so he gave me a Backstreet Boys album, Black and Blue. And then my first album I ever bought for myself was Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. And both of those like albums, records, I adored. My first concert was Hilary Duff. So really until like middle school, um, I was very much in the like, pop music you know explored some indie but and then in middle school and high school it was very like oh I had to be kind of indie underground like that was my perception of myself and how I wanted other people to perceive me was kind of not about top 40 or not about pop music and so it really wasn't until like 2014 which was really when I had graduated college that I kind of delved back into pop music when 1989 came out by Taylor Swift and that was kind of my reintroduction that I really really liked that album and I just kind of admitted to myself like it is totally okay to like mainstream stuff and like that's when my journey started again so yeah well what was you know what were some of the big things in that middle uh indie era Bon Iver was like the big thing. I grew up in oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. And so when his first record came out, I was in the high school newspaper and I wrote an article about it. I like interviewed his manager and I was like so excited because that got wow. me a lot of, well, I thought it got me a lot of street cred, but I felt very cool doing it. But it was cool. It was just <laughs> yeah. my first foray into sort of like, oh, like as a person who really likes music and enjoys music, I can seek out these opportunities to talk to artists like we do on the podcast, but really where I got the most kind of taste to that besides my high school newspaper was 
um, my radio show I did in college. I was on college radio for three years of my four years at a small liberal arts college in Iowa. And it was my, I would say it's my favorite thing I did in college um, was be on the radio. And that too afforded me a lot of opportunities to reach out to musicians directly, ask for interviews, ask for, you know, albums, that sort of thing to play on the radio. And I got to interview my favorite band or a couple of my favorite bands. Group Love was kind of the band that I was obsessed with for many, many years. And we interviewed them around the time wow. of their, I yeah. think their debut album and got to see them play live and, you know, be on the guest list and all that kind of stuff was like very, very formative for me. Then the other one that really sticks out in my mind of like, why well, I got to interview them was Lucius, the band. They're like two women yeah. singers and they now famously uh, linked up with Brainy Carlisle for their last album and also sang the chorus of Treat People with Kindness on Harry Styles' album Fine Line. So they're around. They're very much in those circles of like so singer-songwriters. And anyway, so I got to interview yeah. them way back in the day when they released their debut album as well. And that was really cool. Looking at your taste now, like obviously, you know, you and I are close friends. And so I feel like I have a good understanding and it feels like you've sort of mixed those two worlds. You know, you listen to a lot of pop stuff, but also like retain a lot of kind of that same indie streak, right? I mean, would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I think definitely more pop. Honestly, I, I really listen to music produced by men or sung by men, I should say. And like, <laughs> yeah. I look at my, you know, on repeat playlist and I mean, yeah, Harry Styles, yeah, 1975, I've been really into recently, but like, that's pretty much it. And so it doesn't really matter the genre. It just, for me, it's the the female voices, the non-binary voices, the, the voices of all genders, but like the ones that are really kind of producing that sort of higher register. I don't know why why that is for me, but that is kind of the the draw of what most of what I listen to. And the through line of that is really pop. Because I mean, you have these artists that aren't as well known, but that really, really do pop music. Jesse Ware, Caroline Polachek, Rina Sawayama, Charlie XCX obviously is way more popular, but like just, I wouldn't ever call those folks like indie or anything, but they are a little bit more like lesser known right. than like Taylor Swift and Harry Styles and that sort of thing. But, yeah. but yeah, it's kind of that like through line is, is certainly pop music for me, but then I do have a soft spot in my heart for like anything Justin Vernon slash Bunny Bear related, as we talked about when, Taylor Swift yeah. released, um, you know, Folklore and Evermore and that sort of thing. So the things that I choose to listen to day in and day out are mostly women artists and and whatever they're, you know, singing about as long as it's catchy. <laughs> well, yeah, I wanted to continue on that last point. I think you're someone who would describe yourself as more of a music person than a lyric person, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, I, I mean, we've talked about this a lot in our like offline chats. My theory is very much like there are music people and there are lyrics people and like you are either one or the other. Like, yes, you can appreciate both, but the thing you're drawn to in music, especially pop music, especially like Western pop music is either music or lyrics. And so this is like what we are seeing now with people. I mean, this is so silly to relate to it and you can cut this out if you want, but like the trend on TikTok now of like people just putting the karaoke track on for their friends and their friends have to sing it without seeing the words. And yeah, even if yeah, it's yeah. their top song on Spotify, all of these people cannot sing the lyrics back for them, even if they listen to it hundreds and hundreds right. of times, because they're probably not the people that are like 
going towards the lyrics and memorizing them as part of their enjoyment of the song. And that is very much me is like, I can sing you note for note the, the backing track, the ad libs right. in it, the, you know, the horn part in it, but it's not always that I can 100% clarity sing back all of the lyrics of everything. And we've talked about this with our friend Hannah too. And Hannah is very much the opposite of me and like cannot understand how I would not be able to know the lyrics to something. Cause that is the first thing that yeah. she notices it. And so I think it's interesting. I do think it also speaks to how I grew up in a more instrument focused um, musician, like that's how I learned music was piano was violin. I definitely right, sang right. obviously, but that was never my primary sort of focus. And so I think that has something to do with it, but I'm willing to think about it differently. But that's, that's kind of my like very big thought process here is like, it's always about the music for me. Yeah. I think, you know, you and I are very similar in that way. I, I find like, the musical aesthetic and just the music in general will be the thing that really draws me to something. But then what always takes a song to like that next level for me is then going back and listening to the lyrics and hearing how the lyrics and the music interact or like, you know, sometimes you listen to a song and you're like, oh, now that I hear the lyrics, I hear what the music is doing to like illustrate that or whatever. And the, so it's really like the two things together, but it is almost always like something I have to do consciously. Yeah. I literally have to read them. I've gotten yeah, like kind yeah. of bit by that before and like playlists I've made or something too, where I'm like putting a song that's like, Maybe it's really freaking sad, but the music is like upbeat and I want the playlist to be upbeat. <laughs> right. But like the lyrics are like the most awful thing you've ever heard. And I'm like, well, I didn't really notice that because <laughs> I'm thinking about the yeah. way it's making me feel versus what it's saying. Yeah, totally. Well, so that is a good transition into talking about your pick for today. So, Catherine, what is the song that makes you scream? This is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. That song is Cruel Summer. By Taylor Swift. People dream high in the quiet of the night. You know that I caught it. Great choice. I honestly did think a little bit about doing like a bunch of other Taylor songs because there are Taylor songs I've loved more recently and harder, honestly, than this one recently. But overall, right. this is a great representation of like what I like about her music, what I like about pop music, and it's a good distillation of all of the things that I've really. Um, admired about pop music since I really got back into it in, you know, 2014 when she dropped 1989. Yeah. Can I just say to start off the conversation about Cruel Summer, Justice for Lover, okay? Justice for Great the Lover her. era. Justice for Lover fest. <laughs> Man, we, we had so many freaking plans uh, for, for the Lover era. Yeah, yeah. Cruel Summer is one that was never officially released as a single, although the fans all kind of assumed that it it should have been. It's a fan favorite. It's a fan favorite. I am the camp that believes that this should have been like a pre-album single instead of like you need to calm down, maybe. Instead of me. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I think I think I'm okay with me, honestly. I know I'm like in the minority yeah. of fans to say that. But anyway, but Cruel Summer, I think, goes to show the depth of the lyrics with a really, really catchy beat that I think really could have taken and brought up a new kind of generation of fans like Out of the Woods did when she collaborated with Jack Antonoff and yeah. dropped that as a single for 1989. That's actually what really like drew me in was, yes, I like Blank Space, Shake It Off, etc., 
but like knowing that I was a huge fan of the band fun that Jack was in. And then his new project right. bleachers kicked off that summer in 2014. And my, all my friends are obsessed with bleachers and I started being obsessed with bleachers and then hearing that he, Jack Antonoff, produced Out of the Woods and hearing that song be so reminiscent of his production style and with really cool vocals, I felt a parallel with Out of the Woods and Cruel Summer in that way, um, since yeah. it was written and produced by Jack and then St. Vincent, Annie Clark, who I yeah. also loved in high school. So it was just like a great little mashup of like, you know, the indie side of things and then Taylor Swift. So Yeah. And so... To go back to like our other conversation about hearing the music, like you were just talking about, but then digging into the lyrics, like why is this one that really stands out to you? Um, the bridge is one of her strongest bridges, and I love the bridges that you can't help but knowing word for word essentially because yeah, it's this yeah. broad, strident sort of like production, but it's really like focused on what she's saying. And the lyric, I love you, ain't that the worst thing you've ever heard, is just like, it grips you yeah. so, so quickly, I think. It's like the very essence and like thesis statement of that song. Um, and so coupled with that and the, the starting out of the, I don't exactly know what he used, but like synthesizer or like something at the beginning where it's like, you yeah. can hear his voice in it too. Um, it's very much like bleachers, fun, Jack Antonoff style production with that really, really strong bridge and all the other lyrics too. But um, I think that bridge is what really drew me in, like made me sort of take notice of that song for the first time. Uh, yeah, it is really good. And the other lyric that really stands out is the, I don't want to keep secrets just to keep you. I don't know that we want to get into like all of Taylor lore as like a person and relationships or whatever. But I think it thematically fits with a lot of themes that like, are explored on particularly reputation and other, you know, later albums as well. This sort of like longing for a relationship that you can't be public about. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of people in the queer community and the LGBTQ community have latched on to some of those lyrics, not only yeah. in Cruel Summer and I Don't Want to Keep Secrets Just to Keep You, but in dress, in I did something bad and that sort of thing. Like yeah. a lot of those lyrics that are a little bit more ungendered or just intentionally sort of could apply to a lot of different situations. But um, I know the queer community has really kind of latched onto those lyrics and certainly can be applied to a number of situations. Yeah. So I think I may have witness the origin of this song coming together. Yeah. Um, if I if I can tell that story. Yeah, please. So, you know, past guest, friend of the show, uh Mitski, who I'm friends with, she one year played Jack Antonoff's annual benefit concert, the Ally Coalition Talent Show, which I go to every year as an audience member. Mm -hmm. And so one year she was playing and invited me to like hang out with her backstage. So Mitski was, yeah. Mitski, yeah. Taylor Swift was not announced to perform, but as we all know, she did come out that year and perform Delicate with Haley Kiyoko. 
before all that, before the show was starting, I was standing on the side of the stage with Mitsuki's manager, Chris, and he sort of gave me this look uh, like he couldn't say something, but he needed to get my attention. And I kind of looked in his direction and Taylor Swift and Annie Clark were standing like five feet away from us talking. <laughs> um, and they had a whole conversation. And then, you know, later that night, Taylor played. But it's possible that they had either like just been working on this song or maybe that's when they met and Taylor said, Oh, we should do a song together or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe I was in the room when you know, the seeds <laughs> of this idea were the room where it happened. Well, I was like looking a little bit at kind of the, what she said about this song. She said a ton, but oh, okay, yeah. Jack and Annie like made the track and then she did the top line for it. And so, yeah, I think it probably was prob talking a little bit about either Jack and Annie working together or that song itself. Right. Okay. So let's think about this though. Knowing that Taylor is going to do the Eras tour coming up starting in March and knowing that she'll probably want to hit all of her 10 albums. Do you think Cruel Summer will be a permanent fixture on the set list, a surprise song? Like what is your production. I I think that Taylor tends to be good at recognizing fan favorite songs and treating them accordingly. You know, like All Too Well was never a single and it just became like, oh, all of the fans love this song. So it is now like her defining song. So I can imagine that she understands that Cruel Summer is a fan favorite and will treated accordingly it's so hard to tell like what eras tour will be and yeah. what she thinks of any of this you know so i'm excited i'm honestly excited to watch it from afar i didn't get tickets so yeah. unless something magical happens i'll be watching it on tiktok on my for you page <laughs> yeah exactly same 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 okay well Catherine, thanks so much for uh for doing this a lot of fun to have you on the other side of the, the stage here yeah what should people know about you where should people follow you how can they sign up for your <laughs> newsletter which yeah. is really great that we don't promote enough so uh everything is starting from my instagram which is at Catherine the great it's also linked in our great song podcast Instagram bio um, and I'm the person who like runs the great song pod Instagram probably like 80% of the time so mm -hmm. we can interact there but also my Instagram is kind of fun and then there's a link in my bio there to sign up for my newsletter which is maybe once a month now um, but just something fun for pop culture recommendations and anything that is on my mind that week which just can vary a lot but it's a lot of fun and a lot of people seem to like it so sign up for my newsletter cool well thank you so much and uh i will definitely talk to you again soon <laughs> sounds good thanks Thank you for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you liked what you heard, and I really hope that you do, please consider subscribing, uh, leaving us a rating and review, telling a friend, an enemy, a lover, just someone you pass on the street. I want to give a special shout out to Catherine, our guest, uh, and... Izzy for co-producing the show, to Skylar Spence whose song Kratos and Love is our theme music, and of course, to you the listener. Really look forward to talking to you next time.